Hey, this is Chris and Jan Woodruff, and you are listening to the Hindsight Podcast, where we sit down with people and we take a look back at what we can learn from a very specific season in their life. Well, we are jumping back into our second episode in February, and it's the month of love. Woohoo! Valentine's Day uh, happens, which we love. However, our little two cents on Valentine's Day is that it is a big, um, overrated holiday. Yeah, we don't really celebrate Valentine's Day, at least the way not everybody probably celebrates Valentine's Day. Totally for Mm -hmm. the concept of it. However, I I think it just puts so much pressure on people to have someone special or do something special. And our philosophy is we do a family Valentine's Day, which is awesome. We have a great tradition that I'll let Chris talk to you about. However, we have always, this is just our concept, is that if we aren't giving that much attention to our marriage, our relationship, 12 months out of the year, why would I put so much into one special day? And I'm the kind of person, I don't, I don't need Chris to bring me a big gift or I do like cards because we like words. Both Mm -hmm. of us like words, which is fine, but I would rather in March, you know, Chris surprised me with flowers or I'd send him a note in his bag to work in July or what have you. And so throughout the year, there is the idea of letting you know, letting someone close to you know how special they are to you. Yeah. We're just not big, big on the pushing everything into one day. And honestly, I think it becomes a, a crutch where uh, it, it can make us, you know, for as men, it could make us lazy and, and put everything into, I'm just going to do something really, really special on Valentine's Day and then I'm off the hook. Right. And um, and I don't, I don't want to operate like that. Right. And so it's just a philosophy thing. It's, you know, right or wrong, which indifferent. It, it could Our be right opinion. for someone, right, right for, wrong for another. Um, but for us, that's how we do it. But what we did do is we started this really early tradition uh, with me and Jan. Mm-hmm. Um, this was back even before we were engaged. Uh, and what we did is we had, uh, we celebrated... You did it for me. Right, but we this right. is how we celebrated right. um, our first Valentine's was just in, in the house... And I showed up at her place before she ever got home from work, and uh, and just I made heart shaped pizza, and cut out the pepperonis into hearts know, and right, did the whole it was deal. Super cute, yeah. And uh, and since then, that's what we do every Valentine's, right. and now we do it with our kids. So our kids right. help, and we all make mm-hmm. uh, heart shaped pizza. We and, get out uh, the red tablecloth or mm-hmm. you know the fun paper plates. We get a balloon. We'll have you know heart-shaped cookies or whatever. And so we definitely appreciate the holiday. Mm -hmm. And we make it just a big, fun family thing. But it's not a stuff thing. We're not getting gifts and everybody's opening something and and all of that. Uh, But it's something we do together as a family. And uh, I love, too, that we're big tradition people. So I love the idea that I was trying to think today for the... So we're going into our 19th year of marriage... I think we've almost done it every year. I think we have done it every year. Yeah. I don't and think there there's a year we haven't. there was one year you missed because you were traveling. Okay. I think. But the kids and I still did it. Yeah. And so it's just been a really fun way to celebrate the holiday. So not against Valentine's Day, but as far as being in a relationship, I think there's so much pressure yeah. on couples and individuals. I just hated it when I was single because there was so much pressure 
to have someone yeah. to make you feel, yeah. you know, whatever. So, so we're jumping into this one. That's already a little bit of, you know, <laughs> some of the marriage, uh, you know, days and, and years with Chris and Jan. Uh, this one is our kickoff into the 2019 yeah. season to start talking more about marriage. This previous season was on parenting. We're moving forward into this next one to mm-hmm. uh, to share on just a lot of things around uh, lasting marriages, long marriages. Um, what have you learned? And uh, we're really excited to sit with some of these couples that we've got lined up. And I'm thrilled for you guys to get the opportunity to be able to sit with them as well. Uh, we're going to have some great questions for them. And even on that, if you guys have anything... You would want to ask a couple that's been married for 30, 40, 50 years, post that on our Facebook page. We'd love to take some questions from you yeah, guys really uh, as we get ready to sit down with them and ask some of those questions. That would be super helpful to add into any questions that we might be thinking through. Yep, absolutely. Uh, before we start meeting with those couples, though, we want to jump in and share with you guys some things we've learned. Where I've always been big fans of mentors in our life and have met with mm-hmm. several uh, over the last 19 years and have learned a ton. And so we're going to share with you guys some of those things we've already learned uh, as we kind of lead into sitting down with some of these others that yeah. have been married for 30, 40, and 50 years. And so these are just some things from Chris and Jan that we yeah. want to share as we kind of start. And as you know... And- and whether you've been married, this is your first year of marriage, or whether you've been married a long time, it's something you have to be committed to. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not just some couples have it, some couples don't. It takes work, and we are proponents of that. And it takes to be, or it, and you have to be extremely intentional um, with learning your spouse, taking feedback, <laughs> learning from other couples. So that's why we're real passionate about it. We are constantly in progress and have not figured everything out. But our ultimate goal is um, we are committed to going the distance. And if we can do that through the help of other people, we are happy to do that and to find things along the way that are going to make our marriage more successful and more rich. Yeah. And we by no means um, have a perfect marriage. We are two imperfect people. Mm -hmm. We know that. And we are constantly working on it. And there's days where it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And there are days where it's really hard. Right. And uh, and there's days where we look at each other and say, I love you, but I do not like you today. Right. And that's real. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not something that, you know, we look at and go, oh, yeah, it's happened once. That happens on a regular basis just right. because we're right. different. Mm-hmm. And we've been through some tough times. Right. Uh, we have not had uh, the most perfect 19 years. We've had a valley that we went through. It was about five, six years ago, four or five years ago that was really, really hard. And, uh, and we had to get some outside help to help us to work through it. Mm-hmm. And there were times where we didn't know how we were going to get through it, but we did. Right. Um, there because was a commitment. We committed. There was a commitment. And there was, and, and the things that we were going through, there are marriages that have ended because of stuff like that. Right. Um, but we just, we knew we wanted to get through this because, because of the love that we had for each other and for our family. And we weren't going to let, you know, one or two things get in the way. Uh, but it's hard. Right. And uh, and we've been there. So we are not sitting in this seat and coming to you guys and talking to you guys from any means on 19 years that have been awesome and perfect every time. We've had some hard ones, but we also have had some really sweet ones. Yeah, we have. And those are far outweigh. And one thing we always say to each other is, I would hate to have to start all over and have somebody learn me, you know? And so that's what kind of fuels us, even though there's days that we're not sitting in the same camp or we're frustrated at each other, 
And I say that I, I know I come with junk. And what happens over a season of marriage, at especially 19 <clears throat> years, is that we're not the same people. The essence of who we are are same that when we started back in 2000. But we personally change. Yeah. You know, chemically we change and lifestyle changes or um, just outside things that contribute to us. And, you know, there's just medical things. All kinds of things impact a couple. And so that's what we have to navigate, not just whether we're the same. But we always say that at this season of our marriage, you know, people sometimes jump out. And I would hate to have to have someone start all over. Yeah, I look at it oftentimes. <laughs> I'm thinking, why do you why do you like me? Like, why do you still? Because I don't know how I could go out in the world and find someone to like me. Right. I, I got too many little things, you know, baggage and, you know, pet peeves now and just all this kind of yeah. stuff. And I'm so grateful that my wife knows them and still loves me and and puts up with me. Um, and I would not want to start that over again. Right. And that's one of the reasons I wanted when we were talking through our next topic was I really want to sit with people who are at least 30 years married and then beyond because they've been at where we really we, at where we are right now and they're they're enduring a whole new season of change that we have to come to we're coming into and so I want to see how they navigate that well and still come out working together and having a vibrant marriage. So that's, yeah. Cause bit. let's be real. You know, we're married, we like each other. Uh, we like each other intimately. Uh, but gosh, golly, man, I am not the same looking naked person <laughs> that I was 19 years ago. I just, you know, there's gotta be some love behind that. We uh, all can feel experience yeah. that for ourselves. So Things Alexa, the same. turn off the lights. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, anyway, no, Alexa, I was just kidding. Yeah, she came on in the background. That's so funny. Uh, but hey, these are some things that we learned um, that, I think, that, that I think have gotten <laughs> us to where we are at least at 19 years. And what the next 19 look like, I have no idea. But but I know that they're going to be challenging, but they're going to be awesome at the same time. That's right. Um, so some things that we learned, and we learned this early on from a couple that came in. We were in a, a married small group early on uh, 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they came and spent some time with us, and they shared this with us. And it wasn't rocket science, um, but it just really hit home for us, and we committed to really sticking to it. And it was a couple things around our time and then our family time as we grew our family. We didn't have kids at the time. But they said regular dates, right? That's not new. Everybody talks about dates and date nights and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) But regular weekly dates, quarterly getaways— and then a yearly vacation. And so doing that on a regular basis, and they really emphasized starting that when we were young and we call it single married, right? We didn't have kids kids. yet. (laughs) And, uh, and doing those regular date nights, recreating the habit and the rhythm. Mm -hmm. Quarterly getaways did not need to be anything fancy. It was get away for one night. If that meant going to the Motel 6, it's just waking up in a different bed, going somewhere and getting out, and then carving out that weekly vacation um, as well. And they talked about starting that now, which now was pre-kids, so that when you have kids, you're in a habit. So you know you're going to miss it. And that Mm -hmm. was huge for us. And so we started it right off the bat. All right. So Chris started it. We had a 10-week-old. Well, we started it before we had kids. Well, we did because that was easy. (coughs) Right. That was easy. But when you think through having your child, CJ was 10 weeks old. Mm -hmm. And we planned it uh, in town, downtown Atlanta, had an overnight Mm -hmm. at a hotel. We had a gift certificate or whatever for a really nice meal. 
and his mom came, and I was, I mean, can well, you imagine? Well, not came for the overnight. She came and watched <laughs> CJ. She came to take care of the baby. And I honestly, I was at a stage where I was like, oh, it's too soon. What are we doing? And a lot of you are out there. You have little kids, and you're like, how do we leave our kids? So here's what you do is you leave your kids. You leave them with a very trusted person or family member or friend. And I got a good 12 to 14-hour night's sleep. We had a great meal. We were rested. And it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And it was, and we came back and guess what? My 10 week old did not even know I had left. And what it did then from there on, as we started doing this as a repeated behavior, as we added other kids in, and obviously it's, it definitely requires work because you have to plan to have like a lot of our family, like my mom and uh, sister live out of town. So they would also help be caretakers is planning. However, I can say now our kids have some really special relationships yep. because of having some extended time with outside family members. And so that's what got me over the hump of leaving my baby was that they didn't know I was gone, right? And, and a capable grandma or whoever can do a great job with the kids for a couple days. And it was a fuel injector for our marriage. It kept us communicating. It was like, wow, where are we? Holy cow, we just had a baby. And as wives, we have to remember that we're in that child phase where our husbands still need a wife. And so that taught us and taught me, um, although Chris was a great dad and totally vested in our kids' lives, our relationship had to really take precedence over everything. Yeah. And you got to make it a priority. And it's so important to carve the time out and you've got to plan. It's really hard to wing it. Right. So if you plan it out, it is so worth it. It pays dividends on the relational Mm -hmm. side. And then the side benefit is your kids grow up having awesome quality time with their, if if you've got grandparents, with their grandparents that are local or they mm-hmm. come in and, and spend time with aunts and uncles or and cousins friends, and right. friends, they, they create some great relationships and they learn that, hey, mom and dad are leaving, but mom and dad also come back. Mm-hmm. And it shows them that they don't need to freak out every time mom and dad leave it got to the point, literally, where we would be going to drop them off somewhere. They'd get out of the car and take off. They wouldn't even say goodbye anymore. <laughs> and we'd be leaving for, you know, a couple days. Right. And then so the the other side of that is not just the quarterly getaways, but getting into finding, and it doesn't have to always be a week, but it's an extended, not just a yeah. two-day weekend, but a four to six or seven-day annual vacation because let's be real when you take the kids somewhere (laughs) you go on a trip you're not vacationing we learned that on the first time when we took the kids we thought oh this is great we're gonna do a little family vacation i'm bringing this book this book this book this magazine we go to the beach we bring this book this book the magazine and for an entire week not one of them get opened because you're chasing kids you're watching kids you want to be an engaged parent on vacation right right so what we realized early on is those aren't vacations we're taking family trips because we're not getting any rest during those trips which is okay Right. We want to hang out and play. We want our kids to have memories of us having an awesome time together. But there's no resting and rejuvenation that's mm-hmm. coming from those trips. We needed to make sure we're planning that separate, where we would go somewhere for four, five, six days mm-hmm. for the two of us to actually be able to bring a book 
and read something, sit on the beach and not have to look and watch and where's yeah. everybody at, but actually be able to rest my feet in the water yeah. and take a nap if I want a nap, whatever that may be. And what really comes from this as well, and we touched on it in our previous podcast, is our kids felt safe. And they were, you know, they got to be comfortable with us taking our trips. They got excited because we would tell them where we're going. We would show them pictures. And then on the flip side is that we also dated our children. And we talked a little bit about having special time with our kids. So they saw the benefit of Chris and I getting away. But what made it easier for that to happen was because then we dated them. So Chris would take Rena out on a special date, just he and her, or I would take one of the two of the boys individually out on a date and they got to see what that quality time looked like so that that's also what was happening when Chris and I would have our quality time. So they weren't as freaked out because yeah. they were being invested in during their time. And, um, as also as they grew up, then they've had the appreciation of seeing how to plan to get away and to do fun yeah. things. So it's so important for us. That's been one of the things I think that has helped us get to the 19 years is exactly. having the consistency so much, in these so things. Much. And then also for our kids now at the, at the, the ages that they're at, they have seen the importance and the value that we've put into that. And so they know what to expect when we're planning that time away. They're not questioning going, oh, why do you get to go there? Or why do you get to go there? They can't wait to hear. And I think for us, it's also set the example of what to expect in a relationship, in a marriage. And mm-hmm. for my sons to see what it means to plan and prioritize a relationship uh, with their one day spouse. And for Rena to know what she should expect and how she should be treated and how she should be loved and how she should be invested in a, from a, a, a spouse perspective. And so those are just some of the side benefits that come. But the priority is just showing them that, hey, Jan is number one in mm-hmm. our in our family for me. And if she's number one, then you guys are going to be so much better because right. of how much I'm loving on your mom. I'm going to be a better dad and we're going to be better parents. Uh, and they need to see how important that, yeah. that relationship is. We would come is. back rested. We'd come back joyful. And we could then take on whatever was going on in our <clears throat> season of life. And um, the other thing is, as we now have high school, you know, I have a high schooler. And really in two years, I mean, we're in this weird, crazy season. I hate to even say it out loud. But in, se- you know, Rena's 11, in like five or seven years, you know, we're going to be empty nesters. And you don't just wake up and say, oh, great, the kids are out of the house. What do you want to do? If you haven't cultivated a relationship with your husband throughout all of this, it's going to be really awkward. Yeah, you're not going to know each other. And a lot of couples sit face to face, like, what do we do now that the kids have left the house? I'll be sad when our kids leave because we enjoy them. But I love the adventure and the excitement that we've had in getting away and visiting places or just going somewhere and being still and getting to know each other and hearing what's going on in each other's heart that keeps us in tune with each other. Yeah. So in order for all of that to happen, another thing that we learned early on uh, helps set all of that up. Mm -hmm. And what we learned early from uh, really where I used to work uh, when when we were engaged at um, the 1% Club we learned a lot about just the value of uh, planning right? and planning out not just your week, but planning out what are the next 20 years look like. Right. You know, it's kind of that idea of the Stephen Covey beginning with the end in mind. 
what do we want life to look like down the road? Mm -hmm. And then in turn, what does that mean? What do the next five years look like? Okay, now what does this next year look like? And so each year we carve out time to plan out our year. Mm -hmm. And so when we talked about earlier the importance and the value of the dates and the quarterly getaways Mm -hmm. and the vacations, that happens through planning. Well, each year we would plan out and talk about, okay, what do we want to do next year? And as we started to have kids, that turned into more also of not just where do we want to go and what do we want to experience, but what do we want to teach our kids mm-hmm. next year? Or what do we want to experience with our kids next year? And what do we want our, our kids to get involved in next year? And what do we want to do as a family next mm-hmm. year? So we really started making it holistic family planning, and we would block that time where we would spend anywhere from a full day to sometimes even a long weekend. Right planning out the next year. Now, I know that may be intimidating for some folks that hear, wait a minute, goal setting, all that kind of stuff. Right. It um, was for me, for those of you. Like yeah. Me. And I had to dial it. I had to learn to dial it back <laughs> a little bit because I'm a big goal setter. I like to have my targets and milestones and dates and all that kind of stuff. But the value came in the discussion. It sure did. And yeah. talking about and dreaming about together, what do we want mm-hmm. to do next year, five years, 20 years? Uh, and then you've got a map, right? It doesn't have to be exact, right? but a map to kind of guide you and something to follow. So we thought that was really important. And that was something I was reticent to it early on because I was like intimidated. You know, what do you mean we're going to talk 30 years? We've been married <laughs> six months. But it did give us these big buckets to think through. What do we want to be known as as a couple? What are some things that you and I enjoy doing? What's a non-negotiable? So figuring out what those things are. It really is a communication tool and throw them up, you know, throw them up on a board or write them down on a sheet of paper. What are something, what are some desires that you have as a husband? What are your, some things as a wife? Like uh, one of the things with Chris wanted to do grad school. I want to do some other, you know, learning here or creative things over here. And if he, if we didn't talk about it, I would never know that's on his radar. And so some of those things talking about them, then we would then strategically say, okay, when can this really happen? Do we want to do it before kids? Do we want to do it after kids? And then as we're doing it yearly, we would then take some of our big bucket items and then start putting them into that current year if it made sense. So I have to say that I am a big fan because we've accomplished probably far more than we would have had we not discussed it. And it's exciting to see, you know, people say the years are very quick, but the days are long. And that's so true because if uh, we've done a lot with our family, but I feel now like I'm chasing some of the years that we have existing because CJ's already a sophomore in high school. And I'm like, did we get to do everything that we wanted to do as a family? Um, And that helps us to really look through our calendar and going, what still needs to happen in the next couple of years that we really want to make cemented memories with? So I'm a fan of the planning. Everyone has their own way of doing it. But you will really benefit, A, first of all, from the communicating with your, your spouse and just dreaming. What does your family look like? What's your marriage look like? What do you want to do? Yeah. How much do you want to save? How much do you want to invest? Mm-hmm. You know, what are some things, you know, how much do you want to give, you mm-hmm. know, I, and one day? What does that look like for you? Um, but what are all those things that are important and bucket them, you know, faith, career, parenting as a mom, as a dad, in your uh, in your marriage, in your finances, 
uh, in your travel and experiences, bucketing out. What are all those things we want mm-hmm. to experience and do? And you're going to be that much more likely to actually do them if you're having conversations about it. Whether you get down into the nitty gritty and come up with a plan where you're doing spreadsheets and you got documents and you're doing, whether you're doing that or just having the conversations, you're going to be that much more likely to to live that intentional family marriage life if you're talking about it. So mm-hmm. that's what helped set us up to do those dates, quarterly getaways and vacations. So those are two big things. And we've got a couple other little um, smaller things, but mm-hmm. things that we just talk about a lot that we believe have been really key to our marriage right. uh, and what's helped us to really get through uh, the 19 years when we've had the tough times, because it's really easy to get through the 19 years when everything's going great. These are some of the things too that helped us when it's not always going great. Right. Um, so that we could push through and 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 stay on track and stay committed mm-hmm. uh, and know that we're, when those those days where we don't like each other, we know we right. still love each other. Right, we're still in it. Yeah. So one of the big things that we discussed when we were very first married that we still hold true mm-hmm. nineteen years in ninety percent of the time. Right. We're not one hundred percent. We're not is perfect. That we will always use manners with one another. We will still continue to say, please, thank you, can you help me, what have you. Oftentimes in a relationship, you get comfortable and say, hey, get me that, or come over here, or what have you. And just hearing it out loud even makes me cringe because I think we've done this so repeatedly. Yeah. Don't take your spouse for granted and treat them with the respect that you started the relationship out with. Yep. It also, not only does it make you feel valued with each other, it models to those around you, whether it be your kids, your neighbors, or whomever watching you, they're going to see that and that becomes modeled. So it was much easier for our kids to learn their manners when Chris and I were speaking to each other on a regular basis with manners. That's right. And men, this is also something, I'm just a, still a really big believer in this, and I know it. it's called sometimes a dying art, um, but I think chivalry is so important, mm-hmm. and I make sure that I'm constantly getting the door for Jan. Uh, when we go for walks, um, I walk on the sidewalk on the side of the street, mm-hmm. and I put her on the inside. It's just those things to show my wife that I'm thinking about her in that special way and respecting her. Uh, I wish that I did a much better job of standing when she got to the table, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm not perfect at stuff like that. I wish I was better at even getting our boys more consistent at that. We do it, but we don't do it all the time. But I, I love what it communicates to my wife, mm-hmm. that I'm thinking about her differently and respecting her, not because she's woman and a weaker person in any means. It's, yeah. a, it's about honor and respect. Um, for who she is. And so I want her to always know that, that I want to honor her and respect her. Uh, and so guys, you, you need to really be stepping up in those areas of, of looking out for and taking care of, of your wife in that way. And if you've got daughters and you've got sons, it shows your sons how they should treat uh, a woman and how they should honor and respect her. And then if you've got daughters, it's showing her what to expect. Right. So love that one. And I think that's one we probably have been most consistent with. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great role that we have held to 98% of the time. And it's not to have a serious conversation before 9 in the morning or after 9 at night. And you can pick your boundaries. But that has held true. Uh, When we are in a heated conversation or having a big old dispute about something, 
There is nothing good that happens when we're exhausted or tired at night. And usually that's when most Mm -hmm. of our, our hot topics come up because we finally are having some time together. Now there are some that we're like, nope, we gotta we gotta resolve this before we go to bed. But there's other times where we usually will use the verbiage, hey, I know this is really important and we're in a really place where we need to come up with a resolution. It's late. Let's just talk about it first thing in the morning. Yeah, not first thing because we don't want to jump into it before nine. The reason why we say before nine is we're getting kids out of the house. There's so much chaos. We've got a dog that needs to be fed and walked. We've got all these kids that are rushing around in these certain hours. And it's just not the time to get into discussion when we're trying to get everybody in their day started. But we will block out time. We'll talk about, hey, this isn't the best time. You're not at your best. I'm not at my best. We're not going to we're going to say some stuff we probably are going to regret. Let's do this tomorrow morning. I'll you know block some time in my calendar. We'll spend an hour, 30 minutes, whatever it is, and let's talk through this. Or in the afternoon, I'll come home early, whatever it may be. Yeah. We'll make that intentional time. But we've just seen, because we've done it after nine and seen where it's just not good. Yeah. And you'll know your personalities depending on, usually in a marriage, there's someone who wants to tackle it right away and the other person wants to go to the corner and think about it or what have you. Regardless, there needs to be an olive branch. There needs to always be the option of resolution. And this just helps to set you up for the best success because we all know usually a good night's sleep puts a whole different spin on a topic that seemed right out of control. Yeah. Another thing that's uh, been really important for us, and and many of you probably are familiar with this or have heard others talk about this, is the book um, around love languages, Mm -hmm. the five love languages. Uh, we read that early, early, early on. Uh, and we may have even read it while we were getting when we were engaged, but right. we um, it's been really, really valuable for us. We still talk about it. We use the language from it, the empty tank versus the full tank. We know each other's love languages. We revisit it because we know they can adapt and adjust. It helps us to best know how well are we communicating from a love perspective to know whether your tank is full or not full. Because again, that gets to the having that conversation we were talking about before with the nine to nine deal. If your love tank is low, it's going to be hard to have that conversation anytime, right? even more so after nine. And so we just really try to pay attention to it. We're not perfect by any means, but we do ask the question, how are you doing? How's your tank? Or we just notice... So we can pour out and and put some time into that, whether it's physical touch uh, or if it's words of affirmation or with Jan, acts of service is big. And so just knowing if I'm aware of that, I pay more attention to straightening some things up, doing the dishes, doing things like because I know the value of it for her. Mm -hmm. And as a quick reminder on the love languages, if you're familiar, one exercise we do instead of focusing on what you're not getting in your language you need to figure out what your spouse's language is and start doing their language. And that will transform your relationship. And now I say that as I was reminding myself right now, because we're a little deficient in some areas. However, if for instance, I'm access service and Chris's physical touch, instead of me going, why hasn't he helped me with the dishes? I need to go, when's the last time I just sat down and rubbed his back or held onto his hand or whatever. If you start thinking about others, it's just the old adage of thinking, putting someone else before yourself, you will see how this will change your relationship because when you start filling someone else's tank, they're going to feel loved and they're going to want to reciprocate. Yeah, super important. Here's another good one that uh, 
came up very early in our marriage. And yeah. we this had, might have been in our marriage premarital counseling. No, I think we we decided this one on Did our we? own okay. because I think we maxed it out. Did we do, were we doing it too much? Yeah, it's very possible. To, so using the words always and never, when you're in a situation where you're heated with one another, oftentimes that will come out. You never do this, or I'm always the one doing that, or what have you. And there's just nothing healthy about it. Um, Because the reality is, it's probably not never, and it's usually not always that you're the only one doing something. Correct. And so when you push to those extremes, it just creates greater conflict, and 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 the tensions just rise. Yeah, you are targeting somebody, and it puts someone on the defensive. So we avoid at all costs, and we hope that you could do the same using the words always and never. And what we do as an alternative is we talk about being specific. So, because what we'll do is we'll be just really general. Well, you never do this. Right. Well, <clears throat> what we talk about is let's point out the when, because they're talking about something that's frustrating them. Point out the one time, the single time, so that they can learn from it and go, okay, now I know what you're talking about. When I did that, I can adjust that behavior. I right. can do that different. Right. Or when but you it, did this, this is how I felt, or this yeah. is why I'm reacting. Or but if you, you tell me I always do something, I don't know which behavior to fix because apparently I'm always doing it anyway, right? And so <laughs> I need to know more specific, what specifically are you telling me that's frustrating to you? And then I can fix that. But if you blanket it with an always yeah. or a never... I don't know where to look back from a context perspective right. to know what can I do different or how yeah. can I improve. So that's been big for us. If you're early in your marriage or if you're seasoned in your marriage, still be a student of your husband or your wife. We constantly have to go back to what do we know about each other? Mm-hmm. You know, because oftentimes we get so tired and so blurred and I have to go, what do I know to be true about Chris? And when I do that, I know that the other feeling that I'm having is because of a result of something specific that he needs to hear about, but not a blanketed statement about who he is as an individual. Yeah, that's right. Um, this next one, we've got a couple more, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with you guys. Um, this next one, we don't do it all the time, and we know it. Sorry, yeah. failing. We don't do it all the <laughs> Life time. Life fail. But we also know the value when we do Correct. do it, uh, and that's going to bed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we were actually told this early on. Um, I don't know if this was premarital counseling. It was, it was yeah, cool. I think it might have been. Um, just the importance and the value of going, in, going to bed together at the same time. Because there's a couple things that happen, right? There's conversation. That may be the first time, especially when our kids were younger, that may be the first time we're actually connecting and get to talk. Mm-hmm. And even probably not so much when our kids are younger. It's more so even when they're getting into middle school and high school because their stuff goes later. There's different more activities later. And so we may not actually get to just talk until we're upstairs getting ready for bed at 930 or 10 Mm -hmm. o'clock. And so we just get to download and detox the day and talk and catch up. And then there's just the opportunity when we're laying together to cuddle up and just, you know, just get some of that time to just even just the non-sexual physical touch of just snuggling in. Right. You all know you like getting into the bed with somebody because that's who you're married. And so you like knowing they're there and next to you. And, and so when you go to bed at night by yourself, it's lonely. Mm-hmm. And that's not healthy for the marriage if that's happening all the time. So, again, no one's going to be perfect. We're definitely not. No. This doesn't happen every night. But you know if you go to bed by yourself, it's not fun. Right. right. Even when I travel, I don't enjoy necessarily getting in the bed by myself, knowing my wife's at home. Right. That's not as much fun. 
So going to bed at the same time, it just encourages that closeness and, uh, and it creates opportunities for discussion and catch up and, and just some of those talks you don't always get to have. That's great. And I have to say, I'm, not, I'm a night owl, so I have to work hard at this. I enjoy the stillness of the night. And so I also have the opportunity to connect with my teenagers because if you have teenagers, they don't, they don't show their face until 10 o'clock at night. And so oftentimes as I'm thinking I'm going to head up to bed, they start coming downstairs. So there's that conflict of where to be at what time. So this is a public confession that I need to be much more intentional about going up because ultimately I do love the connection because we, you know, Chris is leaving early in the morning. I'm getting the kids out. We are operating at two different speeds and that connection time is super, super important. So it's just for me having to restructure um, what I'm doing at what time. And it's both of us. We both have to look at how do we manage it because the reality is, is our kids are getting older and their time, uh, when they're staying up, it's, it's important time. Yeah. It's balancing the time that we have together also with the time that we have together with them. Jan says she's a night owl. I like to be up in the morning early. The kids aren't though. So I know I'm not going to get any quality time with my kids at five in the morning, but they're going to be up at 10, 30 and 11. Right. That's hard for me because I want to be the early guy. I like getting up early and starting my day earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's just tricky. Trying, it's trying to find the balance. So obviously, again, it's not going to be 100%. It's the awareness. But it's an awareness, and it's making sure you're finding the time to be consistent some of the time, right? right. So there are those times where you're getting to bed at the same time. Mm-hmm. The last one that I want to cover is just having a spending limit. This has really been helpful for us to stay on the same page with our budget We know that if something costs over $100, that we're going to talk to each other about it. And you'll have your own budget limit. But that takes a lot of question out of us having any kind of tension around money. You know, Chris isn't like, hey, I just bought a boat. You know, that could floor us, you know. And I'm like, wait. Yeah, or a TV. Or I'm not going to go out and spend 500 bucks on some new TV. Now, there are extenuating circumstances. Obviously, if there's gifting involved, we don't go through and say, hey, guess what? I got you this for Christmas. It was $150. There's not that. Uh, And there's also, we build into our budget where we do get personal money. So we get a certain amount of cash every month. That's just our cash money, whether it's for lunches or for, you know, pedicure or manicure or whatever it may be. We have personal cash. If Jan saves up her personal cash and wants to spend 200 of it, that's a different deal because mm-hmm. that was her personal money. But if it's money out of our budget, uh, then that's something where we're going to call each other and say, hey, heads up, Just um, I know our computer crashed the other day. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get this one. I found a good deal, right? and I'm going to spend it. That way, we're just on the same page. It's just accountability with uh, when we're spending stuff. And yeah. so we're both knowing. That way, she knows I'm spending this on a computer, and she's not thinking, hey, remember that chair we talked about? I'm going to get that too. Right. Well, we're at least talking on the same page, so we're not spending too much at the same time. It's just been really helpful because finances can be really stressful on a relationship, on the family. Mm-hmm. This helps, I think, um, so we're talking about stuff, so it right. makes it a little less stressful. That's it. Well, we uh, hope that this has been helpful. Um, these are just definitely things that we have adopted from people ahead of us, counselors and friends and people who are ahead of us in their marriage, and hopefully this will give you guys some things to talk about within your marriage. And again, if you have something that you're doing that we didn't discuss that could benefit us, please share that on our Facebook page or reach out to us because we would love to continue to be 
better at being married. Yeah. Um, y'all, I'm so excited for the next couple episodes. Yeah. Loved one, just sharing a little bit that we've learned um, just through our 19 years. But wow, I'm so excited because I know who we're sitting down with. And uh, and I'm just really excited for you guys to hear from these folks. Um, there's so much wisdom uh, that's going to come and sitting down and spend some time with them. And so I'm really excited for y'all to learn with us uh, from them about the keys to their success mm-hmm. in a really long and lasting uh, marriage. If you guys uh, are listening on iTunes or wherever it is you're listening, please go out if you haven't already. I know we push it a lot, but it's just so important because it helps others find us. Rate and review, especially those reviews, those help as well. Um, so please be sure to do that. Otherwise, uh, we will catch up with you guys on the next episode. Yeah, we can't wait. Can't wait to share with you. We're not going to tell you who because we don't even decided which one's coming first. Uh, but we're really excited uh, to sit down with you guys uh, and uh, and to dig in with these couples. Have a blessed day, everybody. Talk Bye, to everyone. Soon.